Warning, the following episode features numerous spoilers and adult language. Listener discretion advised. Today we watched 2000's The Legend of Bagger Vance and 2012's John Dies at the End. So grab your guaranteed five and watch out for that flying mustache. And enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another fabulous edition of the Movies from A to B podcast, better known as the MFAB podcast. I am Aaron. And I'm Gavin. And thanks for joining us once again today. Uh, up first today for our A movie on side. A side, the good side, the awesome side. <laughs> the overrated side is more like <laughs> We have 2000's The Legend of Bagger Vance. Directed by Robert Redford. And who's that starring? Matt Damon. <laughs> Along with Will Smith and Charlize Theron. Um, anything you want to say before this? Or? Um, Did you know anything about this movie beforehand? Actually, no. And I didn't even read the back of the DVD before yeah. I watched it. <laughs> I was like, I'm going totally blind into this. So let's just see how it goes. Okay. Well, this is, movie is based on a novel written by Stephen Pressfield of the same name, I believe. Um, so, yeah, we'll just kind of hop right into it like we always do here. Yeah. It has a really nice, quiet opening. No music or anything, right? Just. Well, I think there's a light tone playing in the background, but it's not really uh, uh, we meet prevalent. We meet this old man. Um, playing golf. Playing golf. You find out, if you pay attention, his name is Hardy Greaves. Does he say his name in the beginning? Or? You don't say it, but I said you got to pay attention because you see it on his golf club. Oh, right. okay. His golf club. I was going to say because for the first chunk of this, I was just calling him Kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. you you got to pay attention to get his name. But the old man is played by Jack Lemmon, one of the great actors yep. of all time. Um, he's golfing on a course and kind of just has a heart attack. Yeah. His, uh, what is it? His fifth heart attack? Yeah, his fifth one. Yeah. He tells about his other ones he had and then... He kind of flashes back to 1928. Yep, in Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. We meet him as a young boy. Don't say it like that. Pretty sure that's racist. <laughs> that's how accent. they said it this entire fucking movie. So. Yeah, but you're not from there. You don't I get don't to say, say it like that. I'm, I'm talking about it. I'm going to. If you were born and raised in Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. You can say it like that. <laughs> um, we see him as a young boy. He starts talking about how Savannah had this. Up-and-coming golf phenom, Ranolph Juna. Yeah. Um, he was just dominating the amateur circuit. He was an Adonis, essentially. He mastered everything he ever did. Pretty much. He was like the LeBron James of golf back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, Won whatever he tried. Yep. Yeah. He ends up... Juna goes off to World War One. I'm assuming. That would be the... That's world. what it looked like, yeah. yeah. Well, it was trench warfare, so... Yeah. Um, they were advancing before everybody got blasted to shit. Yeah, he... Uh, as pretty much his whole company gets slaughtered, and he's the only one who kind of comes back, and he just disappears when he comes back. Oh, I love that scene, though, when they're showing the aftermath, and everything is dirty and filthy, and there's just bodies littered everywhere, and then there's just him standing there like nothing happened. No. Nope. Much. Like, you sure the enemy's completely gone, you're just going to stand yeah, there? Like, open? I'm sure you you didn't take the final shot. I think the enemy's <laughs> looking, he's like, look at that, there's that one guy standing over there like a fucking jackass. Let's let him go. Let's yeah, let's let him go. Let's just let him go. It'll be funny. Um, but yeah, he comes back, he's this changed man, um, and also by the time he comes back, uh, the Great Depression hits. Yeah. So Savannah, who, which was a booming town, they made it seem like it had everything going for it, is just 
a ghost town. Yeah, much. everything's out of business. People are lining up to get bread, you know, the yep. whole, whole. The whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get introduced briefly to Charlize Theron's character, Adele Invergordon. Yep. Um, <clears throat> her father had just recently opened the premier golf resort in the south, uh, Crew Island. Um, and due to the depression, by the time he went to open it, nobody could come. Yeah, no one can afford it. So what does he do? The only smart thing, really. The only smart thing, yeah. yep. Puts a bullet in his head. <laughs> Chews and on a bullet. So it kind of just gets handed over to Adele. Um, and this is where the story starts to kind of pick up. She needs money to keep this course going. But she, she doesn't want to sell it. Yeah, she'll, she'll sell everything she owns besides that. Mm-hmm. This is her, her dad's lineage. She wants it. Which introduced a really creepy scene of her waking up. Oh, yeah. She's like, asleep and, like... Six eight, old dudes are fucking standing in her, like at her sleep. Six different versions of the creepy Monopoly guy, and he's just... They're just staring over there, smiling with their hats, twiddling their thumbs. It's fucking creepy. Borderline on becoming a horrible porno right there. <laughs> <laughs> just like Snow White and the Seven Doors, but the Seven Doors are all creepy old oh, guys. <laughs> um... But in their argument with all the bankers and the judge and stuff, she comes up with off the top of her head to have this exhibition match between the great Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. Two of the best golfers of the time. Of all time. Bobby Jones, highly regarded as the greatest golfer of all time. Walter Hagen is right there in the top, too. These are actual people. Yeah. Um, these are probably the only two real people in this movie. Everything else is fictional, but these are two characters that are based are real people. What, the mystical black dude isn't real? No. (laughs) Well, we'll get to him. Exactly. (laughs) So Adele, you know, tells the judges and bankers, you know, you just wait and see. Um, She goes to visit Bobby Jones first, who who, um, lives, like, right down the road. He's from Georgia. He lives, like, right down the road, I think, in Augusta. Um, She basically sweet-talked him into playing. Yeah, she's got a tongue on her. Yeah. She talks... She's very charismatic. And persuasive. Very persuasive. Yeah. But she basically tells him that <clears throat> Walter Hagen's going to play in this tournament, and he, you know, yeah. kind of says, oh, it's a shame because he kicked your ass, you know, yeah. a few years ago. damn course. Yep. Jump. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll play. And then she goes to tell Walter Hagen. Yeah. And Walter Hagen's the, a playboy. He's first seen <laughs> putting a golf ball into the cleavage of some chick. Yeah. <laughs> um, heavy woman. Yep. And she does this basically sweet talks him into it. Which doesn't take much. No. I mean. She's a gorgeous lady. Of course she's going to play. Yeah. So those two are agreed. She comes and just rubs it in the bankers and judges' faces. Say, oh, yeah. Got Jones and Hagen. Suckers. Fuck you. I'm out. (laughs) Um, So then there's this town meeting between all the old southern businessmen in the town and because they want the course to resell yeah, have it down the whole scene just starts out as town meeting that's all it is um and at, it's at this point this movie is filled with southern accents galore oh yeah just southern accents as far as the eye can see yeah. and it's i i just i loved it i think see, it was I awesome say that but you can't stand British accents. I'm getting used to it, okay? I'm but, getting used to it. But the southern accent, which is even more harsh to my ears. Well, the Cajun accent's way worse. Yeah. yeah. I am getting used to the British accent, okay? Trust me. I, it's good. not as... Some British movies coming yeah, out. It's not as, bad as, not as bad as I used to be. But um, all these old southern guys, basically, they're like, this is great. We're going to have Jones and Hagen, but we need somebody to represent Savannah. Yeah, we need a local. 
and they have all these guys and you know everybody's like no we don't need them they're they're garbage one dude's 80 years old he can't even play and this is when young hardy pipes up and says what about cap and juna and they're like yeah he's like i don't know where to find him and then they're just kind of like well go get him with <laughs> the wings of whatever that greek god or whatever so he just that's a one thing you know their accent is really annoying but their speeches are just awesome <laughs> oh i know I, inspirational no matter what they're love saying the, i love the 1930s southern lingo it's yeah. just like oh my god you, i couldn't Some even it gets kind of annoying what's her name adele does a few lines oh, Hardy does too at all, all the times. Um, so Hardy takes off middle of the night. He knows where to find Juna. He goes to this rundown house, like way out in the boondocks. Finds Captain Juna playing cards, drinking, getting uh, toasted. He gives this really depressing speech about how drunk is drunk enough. Yeah, yeah, which kind of takes it down a notch. Well, then Hardy, though, is like the smartest fucking 10-year-old kid in oh, the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. He just knocks him down a few pegs and fucking totally, you know, not really talks him into it, but gets him thinking. Yeah. So, Juna kind of says no no thanks to Hardy. Yeah, and then uh, goes upstairs where he runs into the oh, entire town meeting. Yeah, oh, yeah. Essentially. The, the same creepy guys that showed up at the yeah, are They're good at, like, sneaking into yeah. places. <laughs> they just... I get the feeling they just want to rape somebody. Yeah. But they don't... They they get... In, they they get lose in their the nerve or something. They get in the group, and they're like, we're going to do this, guys, and then they get there, and they're like, all right, who wants to go first? And nobody steps forward. <laughs> this guy could probably kick our ass. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> we are, like, 90. Yeah. But... They they try and convince Juna. He's like, nah. Which another badass speech right there, like badass inspirational speech from uh, what is his name, uh, Nescalusa or whatever. Oh, the judge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because he gives like a hardcore speech right there, being mm-hmm. like, you should play and you know. For Savannah. Savannah. For Savannah. <laughs> For the people. For the people. And still, Juna's like, no. All I'm saying is, I would have been inspired right there. I'd have been like, yeah. you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Okay. So they all leave. Hardy just somehow just kind of stays there. Yeah, at a stranger's house. Yep. Or run down stranger's house. I'm just going to sleep on a couch while you drink watching me. Yep. He falls asleep, but then Adele shows up and kind of is going to use her vagina to yeah. suck him into it. Adele comes to fuck him into playing as yep. well. And at this time, Hardy kind of wakes up and is like, oh, shit, what's going on over there? He's peeking. He's peeking. Almost gets a nice peep uh, show. Yep. They're just about to do it, and then Juna just has to be, like, total dick. Yeah. Because he's looking inside. Yeah. Adele storms off. Prior to this, Adele and Juna were, like... That was his greatest accomplishment, was winning the heart of the richest man in Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> the richest man? Uh, Adele's father. Oh, The richest okay. man in Savannah. Yeah. Before he blew his fucking brains out. Yeah. <laughs> After being a golf course, that was useless. <laughs> so, they do have some history. Yeah. Um, when Adele, he came back from the war, he really kind of didn't. Yeah, he just get became back a recluse. Or, yeah. He just, you know, he, he obviously saw some shit in the war that he was dead on the inside. Yeah. So, which is weird. How it's been? As they say, it's been like twelve years since he came back from the war. How has he not killed himself? You know? And how is that kid the same fucking age? Right. Well, he never. The kid never knew Juno when he was first golfing. He said yeah, his dad he was saw him come back. He saw him come and back. Twelve yeah. years passed, right? No, that was. He had been back for 12 years, and then he just kind of shows up in Savannah that one day. 
No, I thought that was when he first got back. No, it wasn't. Are you sure? Yeah. It wasn't. But anyways, Adele storms off. Hardy leaves. So Juno decides to go hit some golf balls in the midnight. Like you do. Yep. Just with his whiskey or whatever. and Puts a lantern and starts hitting some balls. He sucks. Yeah. Can't hit the ball off the ground. Hooking, slicing. And then mysteriously out of the darkness. Yeah. Up comes walking... Will Smith's character, Bagger Vance. Dead in the middle of his driving range. And much. this is, I, I laugh every time I hear this, because Mad Damon, or Juno's like, I could have killed you out there. And he's like, oh, no, see, because I positioned myself directly in front of you, judging by how you was hitting them balls, that would be the safest place to be. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of an RKO moment. He just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. And right away, I, I instantly fall in love with his character. Will Smith's character here. He's just he's got so, a nice charm to him. Such a it? charm, yeah. yeah. Um, Which Will Smith usually does, and yeah. if he's playing the right role. Yeah, and uh, this was like the right role for him. Yeah. Um, he offers Juno his caddy and services. He mentions how he hears there's this big golf tournament. Fella might need a caddy. Five dollars guaranteed. Yep. All he wants is five dollars guaranteed. Even though the winning guy's caddy will get a thousand dollar cut. All he wants is five dollars. Yeah. Um. And then we cut to kind of daytime where Hardy's talking with his friends about uh, almost seeing Adele naked oh, yeah. in her knickers. Yep, more uh, <laughs> southern slang lingo there. And this is uh, the first instance of uh, <clears throat> kind of seeing the, how ashamed he is of his dad. Yeah. Because <laughs> he sees him sweeping the streets. He, yep, sweeping the streets. And his dad's like, ah, there's my boy. And then he's that's like, my son. <laughs> hey, guys, look over there. I don't want to go this way because yeah. my dad's over there. Isn't that Adele over there? I recognize that figure anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Pervy little kid. Yeah, no shit. But, yeah. Um, but this is a whole, like, subplot that goes yeah. on in the movie yeah. throughout, which is, I thought it was a bit unnecessary, this whole. Yeah, it, it kind of was. Especially because they don't really develop it all that much. It's just kind of, it's there. It's it there. Ends, and then and it ends. they address it at certain points, but yeah. And there's real, yeah. No real resolution. Right. Um, but it's at this point that Juno decides he's going to play. And then they kind of have this big party. When Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen come into town, there's this big celebration. Yeah, press conference they kind of have. Kind of press conference, yeah. Was, they were going to give him the keys to the city and all this crap. But uh, it's a funny part where Hardy and his friend climb the tree and then the little fat one can't get up there. <laughs> he's like struggling and then he ends up falling. <laughs> Uh, did that um, draw back some memories? I never really climbed, climbed trees. <laughs> no, never. Climbed tons of trees. I mean, I did, but never. never I, you know I have a thing with heights. I've always had a thing with heights. So, um, But from right here, this is where, if, if you're a golf fan or you know anything about golf history, you, you can appreciate the casting job they did on the guys to play Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen, mm-hmm. um, Bruce McGill and Joel Gretsch. The actors that played them. This is to me one of the best casting jobs I've seen. Um, spot on. If, if it's not just solely casting, but even makeup work too. These guys looked almost impeccable to the real life. Yeah, I. Jones. I know shit about golf really, except for Jack Nicholas makes an iced tea beverage. <laughs> no, Arnold. The Golden Palmer Bear. Does. Arnold Palmer does. Yeah, Don't the Golden even, Bear. Is... Jack Nicholas ripped that shit off. So <laughs> he makes it. It's a thing. And nothing beats a classic. Oh, yeah. Palmer. Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholson, Nicholas make the, uh, yeah. But I didn't really know shit about golf until I saw the pictures that kind of 
yeah. side by sides. They look like remarkably similar. Yeah, they did a really good job there. But back to the story. Um, after this whole press conference, Juna kind of gets a little freak out. He goes to pack up and he wants to leave town again because he can't handle it. And yeah, then he gets swarmed by all the swarmed locals. by all the people, and he's like, "Okay, you know, I kind of." These people are behind me. I kind of guess I gotta stay. You know, gotta kind of do warms his heart up a little bit, does it? Yeah. Or you just kind of like, if I leave now, everyone's gonna be super Everybody's disappointed. Might be a lynch mob out to get me or yeah. something. You know, yeah. You can't really. <laughs> so, uh, it's at this point, after he gets swarmed, we come and Hardy meets Bagger, um, makes him his like side caddy, kinda. Yeah, they had a name for it. I, I thought he said four caddy. Yeah. It's basically like the understudy to the caddy. You're just going to help the caddy who helps the golfer. So yeah. you're like the helper helper. So you're like the bitch's bitch. At yeah. This point. <laughs> um, they go out and they measure the course at night. Um, and this is where you kind of start to under- see some of the mysticism and mysteriousness of Bagger. He's just full of quips and life Super lessons. Super laid back. Yeah. just He's the ultimate optimist. Yeah. He just, you know, he... It's just something so mystical and magical about him that he's yeah. just a special character. Um, but Which in this type of story, you kind of need because a lot of the other characters are either nihilist or fucking pessimist. At yeah. least. <laughs> but <laughs> during this scene, um, they're like measuring the greens at night, and they're just kind of figuring out how the spaces and Hardy's putting balls, and Bagger says, "Just swing the club," and Hardy says, "But I don't have any balls." <laughs> <laughs> and I know for a fact that this kid got teased when he went back to school for that. I'm sure. So you don't got any balls? <laughs> ah, no ball hurty. Well, this is a really nice scene. It's just some... It's where we get introduced to the authentic swing. Yeah, the authentic swing, which is what Bagger just knows about and what preach. he's going to try and preach and teach to Juno. Yeah. Um, so then the match starts. The exhibition match starts. 72 holes, two days long. 36 on Saturday, 36 on Sunday, which is how they used to do it a long time ago. Which is insane. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. Nowadays, you see tournament, major tournaments on TV. Holes one day, tops. Usually a four-day tournament. It was never like that. It was yeah. usually, sometimes it was 18, 18, and 36 on Sunday. But yeah, that's how it was. It's brutal. But that's, this is the, the, the old-time golf. But aside from being the ultimate optimist, Bagger's a smart-ass, too. And I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just so many quips and lines from here that I, I, I can't even, you know, think of any. There's just so many. There's so many that you can't think of any. Oh, I'm just trying to think of one off the <laughs> top of my head. One. Or like, the judge goes to ask him, he's like, just, just who do you think? What do you think you're doing with? What are you telling him? What are you telling him? He's like, oh, I'm just trying to tell him who he is. See, right now he thinks he's Captain Juno. But he is Juno. <laughs> he is Juno. You stupid idiot. Wait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, he is, but he isn't. <laughs> yeah. But the first round, Juna starts off oh, with a great drive. And yeah, he does. Just slowly, then he screws the pooch so hard. Slowly collapses. And uh, um, on the 18th hole, Bagger's like, why don't you just hook your shot off into the ocean? I'll just tell you, you know, you just, we can just take it easy the rest of the way. You know, you'll be so far back, you won't even matter. Just give up. Yeah, pretty much. And he basically does just that, you yeah. know. And they kind of just relax. Um, they go into the locker room. Juna's like what, eight strokes back now? Uh, ten at this point. Ten. Twelve, no, twelve. Twelve. Okay. Before uh, 
knocking it into the water, and then finally oh, yeah. into the fairway, he uh, was at 10. Yeah, that's right. 12 that's right. He's 12 strokes back. Um, they go into the locker room after the first round, and him and Bagger have this conversation. Yeah, Bagger really talking about the soul. And soul. This is yeah. where you find out that uh, Juno's kind of a nihilist. Nihilist. <laughs> Bagger's just like, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and then... Right before the round two, Hardy kind of talks to Juna, and he gives him the golf is the greatest game there is speech. And I, I love this was that speech. There or was that a little bit later? I says that's what I have written down right before round two. Because is that where he kind of? Well, that's no, because there's a soul talk with Bagger, and then the scene in the house with Hardy and his family where yeah. Hardy kind of snaps on his dad. Yeah, Hardy snaps on. You his can't dad. even get a decent job. Yeah. <laughs> Yells at him. Yep. Storms out, and then uh. Adele comes to apologize to Juna, and then Juna talks sense into Hardy, and vice yep. versa. Mm-hmm. And that's when Hardy gives that speech. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a good speech. It's a great speech, especially if you're a golfer. It's, like I said, a lot of good speeches. Yeah. yeah. This is some great monologues in this movie. Um, they start round two. Bagger tells Juna, just watch Bobby Jones. Just watch him hit the ball. And you just kind of see Jones just, like, zone in when he hits his drive. Watch the field. Really yep. feel the feel. Get the feel. Just tells him to get the feel. And that's when Juna steps up to, to tee off. And a um, uh, nice effect where everybody just slowly fades and disappears. And yeah. it's just Juna and the course. It's just a really magical, really beautiful moment. Just you, the ball, and the course. Some beautiful yeah. Im- imagery at this point, too. Yep. Yeah. And then they play around, too. Juna kind of gets... What did he get? About four strokes back? He's only down by like eight after the round, yeah. second round. So, um, they, uh, Juno meets up with Adele at the party afterwards that evening. Ooh, right before this, though, Hagen, uh, talks to Juno about he oh, wants yeah. to go on the road with him and do some exhibition rounds. As long as, you know, he lets Hagen win and yeah. he we'll still gets a cut of the money. We'll and split it 70 30. You, know. you get the 30. You get the fucking chicken feed. Yeah. Um, Which Hagen, I, I don't know, I thought he was a dick the entire time. Hagen, that was Hagen. I mean, if you read He's up on He's just a piece Hagen, of shit in real life, too. He was, he was a playboy. He was an eccentric. He, you He's know, an asshole. Pretty much, yeah. He was a womanizer. He drank. He smoked. Sajimus yeah. dick bag. Yep. Hey, it was the 30s. Guys were allowed to like that. Yeah. Um, so round three starts. It's fucking windy as hell. Yeah. Um. Did but you, there was you, a Juna and Adele kiss after. Yeah, oh yeah, before that, yeah. Juna and Adele kissed at the party, so they're kind of slowly starting to rekindle their romance, kind of. Yeah. Um, round three starts. It's really, really windy. Um, Bagger gives Juna this club to start off. Did yeah, you an iron. called it. Driving iron, I thought. Mm. A jigger? A jigger. Yeah. <laughs> that is an inside joke with us, but I just <laughs> want to see if Kevin caught that. No, but I caught yeah. it. Yeah. Um. It's bit, the the Juna. <laughs> apparently it is. Juna's like, no, I need my driver, and he's like, no, you need to keep the ball out of the wind. So this is like this will keep below the wind. Below and... the wind, and he's like, any other advice? And Bagger's like, just bash the shit. living shit out of it. <laughs> that's the first swear word, I think, right? Yep, that's yeah. their that's probably their one swear because this is a PG thirteen. I think they would have dropped an F bomb. I think unless we missed it somewhere. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but Juna kind of. Plays a really good round here. He actually yeah, he makes a hole in one, picking up strokes left and right, and then knocks in that hole in one. That's when the whole town of Savannah yeah. goes fucking crazy. Yeah, they uh, apparently word spread pretty fast through Savannah. 
Well, uh, back in the 30s. Like now a crowd comes. Yeah, you got nothing else to do. I mean, yeah, it's just true. golf is the only important thing in this day and age. In Georgia, it's really big. Is it? I so, was that's up where the Masters is played. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Jones is the one who invented the Masters, so it's super big in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense then. Yeah. So now the whole crowd, the whole town comes now because June is only like three strokes back at this point. After the third round, he's only one stroke back. Yeah. So. The town, town of Savannah is the original bandwagon fans, if you ask me. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> he's winning? Okay, we're back. Yeah, there when he we're starts. Right. Oh, he's 12 strokes back. You guys want to go to the, you know, grab a burger or something? street to sweep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to go pound some nails into my fingers. You yeah, know, yeah. Lady, you want to join me? No, okay. <laughs> um, so after the third round, Bobby Jones kind of has a talk with Juna and yeah. tells him he's retiring. Confides in him. He's like, this is yeah. my last game. Yep. Which is pretty much... A truthful point. Bobby Jones really retired at the top of his game. Well, he had a law degree and fucking. Yeah, he was he was such a smart guy. He had yeah. a bunch of degrees from everywhere. He really didn't need to play golf. He was yeah. just so good at it that he dominated at such an early age. He was able to retire. Um, the fourth round gets started. Juna's back <laughs> even. Every they're they're playing straight even golf. Now is this uh is this where Dell pulls him to the side? At some point, yeah. She, it's either the beginning of that day or in the middle, where she kind of pulls him off to the side and does, like, some crazy fucking girlfriend crazy. shit. Uh, oh, yeah. I think She's like, like, I know this isn't the time for this, but blah, 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 blah. Nag, nag, nag. Whatever, okay. Yeah, I thought we were good last night. Yeah. You were snapping <laughs> on me. and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a, sounds like a relationship. <laughs> yeah, so Juna gets back to even, and he's, you know... Good, great spirits, and he gets cocky. Yeah, like on whole, starts going off. Yeah, he gets an eagle and ties it up, and he's. Uh, oh shit, he was ahead at this point. Two yeah, he was, yeah, he was two strokes up, or he was one stroke up. I don't know. He gets cocky. He tries to hit a shot that's really, really hard. He ends up in a bunker, which is a sand trap, and he's like, "Yeah, I can get out of this." Yeah, we'll put it on the green. We're gonna get this out of here. We'll finish this off right now, and. Fortunately, he can't get over the slip on the bunker and yeah. knocks it back into the sand trap. Yep. And then doesn't he get into the water after the drink? Yep. yep. And just like that, he lost his game. He lost his game. He falls three strokes back now. Yeah. Um, All when he dropped the ball from the water hazard. Yep. When, when and every heart in Savannah dropped. Savannah dropped too. None harder than his. <laughs> his tee shot on the next hole, he shanks into the woods bad. As he goes in there to find it, he starts to have some flashbacks. Is a shank and a slice the same thing? I know a hook goes like left, right? Yeah. And then uh, uh, hook goes, yeah, hook goes to the left, slice goes to the right. If you're right-handed. And what the hell is a shank then? Just any ball that doesn't go straight, I think. Is it? I've never really asked what the de- definition of it is. I tried to figure it out when I was on the range once, just hitting balls. Talk to someone about it in there. I know one I, or the other was. I know I'm, I'd be the one to ask, but I really couldn't give you a straight answer. Yeah. I think it's just any ball that just goes off in another direction. But yeah, yeah. He so proper term. He slices it into the yeah. woods. Okay. Um, as he's when he walks into the woods, he has some big flashbacks to the war. He starts freaking out. He's about to pick up his ball. Just be done with it. Be done with it. Yeah. And Bagger's like, Bagger comes to the rescue. Talks him, him through it. Gives him another great. Mystical motivational speech. 
and then he hits this absolutely ridiculous recovery shot. Yeah, straight onto the green right next yeah, to Yeah, he's, like, in deep in this woods, and there's, like, this triangle hole through the trees, like, you know, 50 yards away, and that's about, you know, the size of a lunchbox that he can hit it through, and he finds that authentic swing and just nails it right through there. Crisis averted. Yep. Because he had lost his game, and then he got it back almost immediately. <laughs> Two shots, he got his back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. And with the ridiculous recovery shot, he's able to pull back even on the 18th hole. Yep. So um, he's all tied up. All tied up with one hole to go. Sun's going down at this point. Um, they're like, play's going to continue. They hit their drives. And the judge is like, bring all the cars, every car in Savannah. I want all the lights on that green. This is the most important thing in Savannah. <laughs> yeah. A match that doesn't count for anything. <laughs> um, so all the cars line, of course. They turn their lights on. Light it up. Yeah, really, it really made a golf course look really cool like this. Well, just just the lights from a car. The light in general yeah. is good, yeah. Uh, Juno goes up to his, what would be his, what, second shot? He would be playing his second shot. Yeah. And he goes to move uh, some, like, twig. twig or whatever, and his ball moves. Yeah. And him and Hardy are the only ones who saw it. Yeah, Bagger saw it, too. Yeah, but he doesn't say he saw it. And... The rules of golf state if your ball moves for any reason, it's a stroke penalty. Yeah. And Juno's like, I got to call the penalty. And Hardy's like, no, don't do it. Nobody saw it. I won't tell anybody. And he's like, no, I have to. And uh, so he takes the penalty. I mean, no one even want even uh, Hagen and Jones are like, yeah, Jones, just maybe you saw something different. Maybe, yeah, the light plays tricks. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a story behind that. This scene, we'll get to that later. Um but yeah, so now Juna's one stroke behind. One stroke behind. He hits his shot. <laughs> kind of goes about thirty feet away from the hole, and he literally says, "Can't hit it any better than that." Yeah, you could hit it a lot better than that. He actually, could. he could have put it in the hole. I'm pretty sure that would have yeah. been better. <laughs> There's many ways this could have gone a lot better. Yeah. So Jones and Hagen hit their shots. They're on the green. They're line two. He's line three. Um, they both. Jones and Hagen both two-putt. Yeah, make it in two. They both miss the first and then tap it in pretty much. Yep. So they both tick fours. Juno oh, needs we didn't even talk about Hagen's, like, amazing shot that pulled oh, up. Oh, yeah. Again, middle he's, of the water on a yeah. sand dune. The one sandbar in the middle of the ocean yeah. he just happens to land on, yep. And he hits it to, like, two feet within the hole. Yeah. Which, if that was that wet, I think that ball would have sunk a little bit more. Probably. That was pretty much on the top of the fucking Probably. Not only that, there's this little thing called out of bounds, too. But it's on land. You can hit it. Yeah, but there's out of bounds. Like, the courses will have yeah. markers that say anything on this is out of bounds. You can't play from there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the match didn't matter, so who cares? <laughs> no, it didn't matter for nothing. So Juno needs to make this putt. Yeah. And it's right at this point, Bagger leaves. Yeah, it's uh, his time to leave. Yep. Ask for his $5. Ask for his $5, and he's like, Hardy, you're in charge. Yeah. And just walks off into the sunset. And Nescaloosa's like, where are you going? Juno needs you. He's like, eh, no, you don't. Like, you'll never caddy in Georgia again. I'll personally see to it. And Bagger's just smiling and walking off into the sunset. Yeah. Super mystical. It's yeah. just, nobody knows where this guy came from. And nobody now he just disappears. Doesn't even take a suitcase. Just leaves. Just leaves. Yep. Oh, he took uh, shoes though. He took Juno's shoes. Yeah. Well, Juno let him have the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna be needing these anymore, Mister Juno, are you? <laughs> My feet are broken. You know? <laughs> um. Juno goes to make to. Hit his putt. Everybody disappears. It's just him and the green. And Hardy. 
Hardy. Beautiful, beautiful music at this point. He sees the line of his putt appear, taps it, sinks it. Ties it up. Ties it up, silences everybody, freaks out, and they kind of... You see Bagger walking on the beach, and he, you hear the crowd roar, and he does a little... little jig. <laughs> I made someone believe. Yep. <laughs> and the match ends as a three-way tie. So nobody got the $10,000 prize, I guess. Yeah. They split it three ways. You know, that or it goes back to the house, I guess. Yeah, probably. Which, um, and speaking of, Juna and Adele get back together. Yep, they share their dance, because they always missed how they danced. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of just go back to uh, old Hardy waking up from his heart attack. Um, and it's pretty much implied that he's dead now. Yeah, I mean... I mean it's, it can be open to interpretation, but... It pretty much says he's Pretty dead. much, yeah. because he gets up, grabs his bag, and starts walking, and... See Bagger in the distance? Yep. yep. Waving him back over? Yep. And it's just, like, oh, he looks exactly the same. Hmm. Pretty sure Maybe he's, he's in heaven now. Yeah, pretty sure he's in heaven. So, but like I said, that could be open to interpretation but i i see it as he died went to heaven relived his greatest as he died went to heaven but instead of seeing his family and loved ones he sees like an old caddy that he hangs out with like one weekend and for like two days yeah. this is what was important in my life he had the biggest impact on my life i only knew him for two days when i was 10 years old i had a wife who died <laughs> i spent years and years with but you know fuck her <laughs> bitch is probably rotting in hell <laughs> so and that's where the movie ends yeah. just uh, a nice Heartwarming ending, yeah. yeah. Feel good, I guess, yeah. if you like old people death. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of that movie, everybody in that timeline was probably dead. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. So if that isn't uplifting, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, am I taking the reins on this one first, or are you? I believe it's my turn. All right, you no. go. I a, forgot. A movies I go, B movies you go. We pretty Take much have the system going here. We did? Okay. Well, for the first ten episodes, I don't know if we're switching it out. <laughs> All right, um, <clears throat> this was a heartwarming tale for me. I I love these kind of movies. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Oscar bait type stuff, but this is a uh, which this didn't win any Oscars or anything, but uh, it won a few awards and it was. It's one of those movies that just kind of pulls you in. The music's good, the cinematography's you know beautiful, well done. The story is you know touching. <laughs> And it's got that kind of nostalgia that even though you didn't live in that time period, you could see it, you could feel it, you know. Yeah. It's uh, nice. I ended up uh, giving this an 8 out of 10. This is one I definitely suggest. Nice. Enjoyed it. And if you watch it, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it too. So, yeah. That's good. All right. I'm going to be a little bit better than you, but I can totally agree with you on this. Um, I am... I guess you could say partially biased to this. I am a very avid golfer. I've been golfing since I was seven years old. Yeah, you don't know the difference between a shank and a slice. Yep, I don't. Know. Oh, well. I love the sport of golf. There's just, it's... Weren't you on the golf team? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Don't know the difference between so a shank and a you're a good golfer, you hit it straight, so you ain't got to worry about what the fuck a shank is. So, anyways, um, this is kind of a movie that's tailored towards my tastes. Um, this might ruffle a few feathers, but I think this is the best golf movie of all time. It's my favorite well. golf movie. I know a lot of people will argue with me and say that Tin Cup is. It's Don't get me wrong. Tin Cup is also a great movie. I just find this one better. I think it captured the time period of golden age of golf beautifully. Um, it has an awesome, beautifully, hauntingly sweet score to it. Some of the, the mystical scenes, I don't think they could have had 
pick better music for it. Um, Will Smith's character is incredible in this. He's just brilliant. It's a shame that he didn't get more recognition for this, I think. Um, it felt almost like a kid's movie, you know? Kind of, it did. But uh, if you're going to take a look at Will Smith's best performances, to me, this is in his top three. I think so. I mean, I'm not saying it's his best. <laughs> I'm just saying Wild Wild West. Yeah, Wild Wild West is obviously, an, you know, a number one. Duh. Yeah. Anybody can see that. Um, but, yeah, I uh, this is going to be my second 10 out of 10. I oh, love wow. this movie. Um, I hadn't seen it in a while before watching this, and watching it again made me just realize how much I love this movie. Um, this is definitely something I could catch on TV, sit down and lose my day watching it, even though it's only two hours long. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this movie. I highly, highly recommend checking it out. Um, even though the critics are a little bit off on us. A lot harsher on it, actually. A lot actually. harsher on it. Uh, IMDb gives it a 6.7. Um, Metacritic actually gave it a 47. Yeah. So um, I, I really don't see what's so terrible about it that they were so harsh on it. It's a really, really nice, heartwarming family movie. Yeah, you had said earlier that uh, you know, it kind of feels like a Disney movie, and you're definitely That's right. That's what I thought. That. I I had thought this was a Disney movie before, but no, it's actually a DreamWorks picture. Um, it definitely feels like it's got the same flow to it. Yeah, you know, it definitely does. But yeah, um, also have a couple fun facts about it here. Uh, Matt Damon, who played Randolph Juno, had no golf experience whatsoever prior to this film role. He actually had to spend a month with a golf pro in South Carolina to prepare for this role. And I think that paid off because he was pretty convincing to me. His swing looked a little awkward, but I didn't think he did too bad. Um, also, this was Jack Lemmon's final film appearance. Really? Yeah, which is kind of shocking to me. I knew, he, I knew he died in the mid-2000s, but I really thought he did a little bit more than this. So... Um, Anything else you want to add to this? I know you're trying to find the Rotten Tomatoes score <laughs> in this. Trying to load it up, but for some yeah. reason my computer's being wonky. Uh -huh. If you can hear that binging in the background, that's my computer yeah. being a shit. So. Yeah, other than that it was a good movie, I got nothing else really. Yeah, I, like we said, highly recommend checking it out. Um, even if you're not really that big of a sports fan, you'll like this movie. It's got a really awesome story. If you like mystical people, yeah. you'll like this movie. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I mean, I could definitely see how Robert Redford took the reins on this. This movie, this seems like something right up his alley. So, but with all that being said, uh, we are going to take a short break here, and we will be back with the B side. B side, the best side. So stick around. What's up, everybody? This is Aaron, and I'm back with another edition of Random Recommendations. Today I'm going to be recommending one of my favorite musicians. Uh, goes by the name of Lindsey Sterling, if you've never heard her. Uh, she came to fame as a quarterfinalist on season 5 of America's Got Talent and is kind of shot to superstardom in the dance electronica uh, music world. Uh, she released her debut album in 2012, followed up by a smash album called Shatter Me in 2014 and just recently released her third studio album entitled Brave Enough. Um, her style of music is dubstep violin, and those two things probably don't sound like they go together, but they fuse so well with her. Uh, she's uh, worked with the likes of Christina Perry, Dan and Shay, and Lizzie Hale. Um, her music is just calming, relaxing, 
probably one of the sweetest melodic sounds I've ever heard. Um, I'm highly going to re- recommend checking her out. Check out the songs Crystallize, um, Roundtable Rival, and Transcendence. Um, so yeah, that's going to be my random recommendation for the day. Lindsay Sterling. Go check her out. And welcome back to the MFAB Podcast. Uh, we are on the B-side. The best side, if you ask me. Mm. Always better. B-side. Always better. Mm. Mostly. Um, <clears throat> today's B-side is uh, 2012's John Dies at the End. Boy, if that's not a giveaway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, directed by Don Cascarelli. 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 Yeah, let's say that. Uh, based on the novel John Dies at the End by David Wong, a.k.a. John- Jason Perigen, who if you ever listen to the Crack Podcast, you'll recognize. Uh, this is uh, <clears throat> starring Chase Williamson, uh, Paul Giamatti, and Rob Mays. What? I like how you were telling me earlier, let's not mention other podcasts in this show. <laughs> yeah. You listen to the Crack Podcast. Well, it's pretty, I mean... Well, anybody Crack Podcast for giving you free promotion. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure they do this. No, they won't. <laughs> I'm sure legality will stop them from oh, doing that. Or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is actually an interesting story of how this book was made. It was uh, released by Chapters Online. So... You'd have to wait like a week or whatever to read the next chapter of the book. That's cool. And I guess uh, the director was... kind of like an old assignment you would get for reading in like grade school. Only read chapters two through four for the day. And then... Yes, it's more like a... Kind of like a podcast. You gotta wait a week until the next one comes out. Or a regular TV episode. Yeah. Hmm. With a reoccurring theme. It's still pretty neat, though. Because you'd have to read the next episode to find out whether or not John dies at the end. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's not like we already know that. I've read the book. <laughs> Who's this movie star, Gavin? I already said that. <clears throat> yeah. I must have missed that. Yeah, you were laughing, I think. Oh, okay. I have me reference another show. Never mind. Anyways, um, <laughs> anything you want to say before we go into this? Um, no. No? <laughs> not really. Not a single goddamn thing. Um, poop? That's one thing. It's a word. Yeah. <laughs> also an action. All right. Um, we open up on a riddle in this movie. Yeah. Well, a riddle or just a hypothetical question? Uh, technically, it's a riddle. Okay. Yeah. Pretty sure. I mean, who knows? Uh, they don't say riddle. They say a hypothetical question. I mean, the first chapter in the movie is called The Riddle. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> so we'll open up on a riddle then. So we open up on The Riddle. <laughs> Which is about an axe. Uh, we open up on a scene of uh, someone in a beautiful snowscape, just placid, and very chopping Fargo-esque. away. What's that? Very Fargo-esque. Yeah, very Fargo-esque. But he's uh, asking a question, so he's chopping up a body with an axe, or he's chopping the head off a body with an axe. Yep. And, oh, what? The handle breaks, I guess, right? Oh, the the blade keeps breaking. The... No, the handle breaks. Is it the handle? Handle breaks first time. Handle, okay, yeah. Now yeah. he's got to go to the store to, you know, get a new handle. New handle. Explain away the blood color. Yeah. Yeah. But then he gets home with the axe, and he finds something weird crawling on a fucking thing, so he takes the axe out and chops the thing up, and that's when he breaks the head of the axe. Breaks the head, and then he has to go back again yeah. and get the head replaced. So when he comes back, he's got a whole new axe, essentially. Yeah. The reanimated guy he was chopping up in the first place shows up. 
says, ah, uh, that's the axe that slain me. That, that, and the riddle is, is... Is it really is, that axe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, then we kind of cut over to a Chinese restaurant where we see our main character, David Wong, also the author of the book. It's not, well, like, the actor's not the real guy who wrote the book, right? No, no. the actor's an actor. actor's Chase Williamson. Uh, actually, it's Rob Mays. No, that's John. Is it? Yeah, I'm literally looking at the cast list right here. Chase Williamson played Dave. Rob Mays played John. Well, I should probably pay more attention then, shouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, you should. You see it there on your screen? Oh, look at that. Who was right? This guy. Oh, yeah. you think... yeah, One of a million. <laughs> what, that, what, what is it? Uh, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn. <laughs> Not every once in a while, yeah. yeah. So we open on a Chinese restaurant. I can't remember the name of it. It was a good one, though. Uh, no, it's going to bother me. Hot and Todd, is it? Or... No. No. I can't remember it either. Yeah, me either. But we see our main character, David. He's high on the sauce. He's uh, freaking out. Yeah, well, he's got the side effects of the sauce, which last an entire lifetime. And, the well, sauce. Yeah, the soy sauce, which he vaguely mentions. Yeah, we'll learn about more as the story goes yeah. Yeah. First, he, you know, counts, like... <laughs> All the rice that's on a plate that's going out to a different table. It tells you where they were farmed and the name of the guy who ran the. Yeah, you obviously can tell like whatever he's on gives him like these supernatural capabilities. Yeah, stuff, so. where he can just know stuff, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, isn't he says during his freakout? Is that when Arnie comes in? Yeah, he's kind of going in and out, and then Arnie kind of appears in front of him. Arnie Blonstone, played by the great Paul Giamatti. Who is always a good actor. Yeah. Always a good actor. Blech. And then they kind of flash back. He starts telling him the story or whatever, and he flashes back to last night. Yeah. Where he gets a call from his buddy John, yeah. played by Rob Mays. And there's a really good dialogue here, yeah. too. <laughs> um, some they have to go and meet Shelly. Is that, is that their friend or something? No, it's just a girl that came to them for help. Okay. Um, she talks about how she's being beaten by her boyfriend. Well, they have a nice gear-up montage, too, where you kind of see... Uh, it's kind of Sam Raimi-esque Evil Dead, where it's quick cuts of uh, him going through his uh, storage, I guess, where you see all the jars and the bat with the fucking Bible verses covering oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always like those shots, the real quick cuts. Yeah, her boyfriend is beating her, but... Yeah, she won't leave him. He won't leave her alone. But he's dead. But yeah, he's 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 no longer with us. Yeah. So. Hmm, yeah. Weird. So they decide to go to her place, and that's when uh, they search the basement yep. to kind of see. Well, they seem like uh, <clears throat> they know she's kind of bullshitting. Yeah. From the way they're acting, they're like, well, you know. He's mysterious. Yeah, but John wants to get with her, so. Dave's kind of playing along, and they're okay. going to, like, exercise the house or whatever. Yeah. Just to find, be done just with just it. trying to act like they're Sam and Dean from Supernatural, basically. Right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Just to get some poon. Okay. So, <laughs> but they still move upon the meat freezer. Yeah. Where which is, Dad must have been a hunter or something, because it's just filled to the brim with different meat. kinds of meat. Yeah. Ribs, brains, you know, all that good stuff. And they're talking about the case, and uh, that's when they start... Dave's like, hey, what did... Shelly look like he said she looked a lot like this other girl mm-hmm. it's like yeah you know tall blonde with you know huge knockers <laughs> Shelly's short and has brown hair and they kind of look over and she's sitting there just looking creepy as shit <laughs> she like bursts into snakes yeah that's when she explodes into snakes and who tries to run out is that Dave John. 
John tries to run out of the basement, and as he grabs the door handle, it turns into a giant penis. Just a huge dog. <laughs> huge floppy dick. He's or like, no, that door cannot be open. <laughs> And that's when the, the meat freezer opens up. By itself and starts, uh, meat starts shooting out of it. Yep. And kind of starts forming into this giant meat monster. Yeah, and it assembles. <laughs> for a head. And, yeah. Brain jammed in there. Yep. Um, so this is a giant meat monster that wants to kill him at this point. Yeah. But he says they want to talk to this Marconi guy, right? Oh, yeah, the meat monster's all like, you thought you could defeat me for real? You'll never kill me, Marconi. <laughs> It's like, we're not Marconi, but uh, we know the guy. Know him. So they call up Marconi, like this Tony Robbins-esque life coach, I'm, I'm guessing. That's what I got. Oh, the Supernatural. Okay, oh, the yeah. Supernatural. And gives him the phone and talks to Marconi, and then like instantly, doesn't he explode? The meat yeah, the meat dude pretty much explodes once he gets on the yeah. phone. He's like, no. you thought you could... Oh, yeah. Um, that's something that's awesome throughout the whole movie, is they really do... You can't go like a minute or two without having some kind of special effect or practical effect. So yeah, there's a lot. That's what I one thing I really enjoyed about this movie. So, so then we shoot back to the restaurant, present day where uh, David's talking to Arnie. Yep. And you know he starts fucking with Arnie because Arnie doesn't really believe any of the shit he's telling him. Right. So he's like, you know, in your change you got two quarters, a nickel, a dime, and three pennies, and the pennies are from 1992, 1982, yeah. and... And tells him, tells, tells him shit that there's no way he shouldn't be able yeah. to know. Um, and then they tells him back a few years ago. Well, yeah, but he's like, uh, yeah, but the, you could have hit the change in my pocket. This could all be a trick, you know. He's like, you had a dream last night where uh, you were being chased through the woods and your mom was whipping you with a whip with penises. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you just kind of like dead face freaks out. Yeah, it's like, okay. Like, All right, so maybe this isn't, yeah, you know, yeah. little shit. All right. just got some shit here. <laughs> so then we uh, kind of flash back to the party. Yeah, a few years ago. Now. Yeah, where all this started. Where John was in a band somewhere. Three-arm Sally. Yeah. <laughs> it was like two years out of high school or whatever. Mm. So they're just playing a kegger in the woods pretty much. Yeah, and they're at this party. There's this Jamaican dude there who yeah. has these same kind of abilities. Yeah, we meet uh, Amy first. Amy first. Yeah. She lost sees her. She's in distress, and someone's fucking with her. Yeah. And Isn't Justin fucking with her? Yeah, Justin is. Justin. Justin well, White. Who Justin White. Plays a role later. Yeah, we'll talk more about him later. So she's looking for a dog, and she's missing her hand. She's got a fake rubber hand like yeah. the most cruel crude prosthetic you could ever have well even worse than like you remember you've seen happy gilmore right yeah you remember chubbs like wooden hand this was a little bit better than chubbs's hand <laughs> yeah i guess but i mean it's along those lines of like really you can't get a better prosthetic it's just this rubber hand it's like the rubber hand from kingpin yeah I'll put it that way yeah, yeah. it was yeah probably the same you've seen kingpin and you know roy's rubber hand that's yeah just picture that yeah it's kind of so you know dave's walking around the parody and that's when you know he sees this group of people and that's where the you know mystical jamaican guy is this is oh we find out his name later right <laughs> yeah you find it out at the restaurant yeah. later okay. but he tells him all the shit that he knows and tells him about his dream well he wants a beer Oh, yeah. He says he'll uh, do a trick for a beer, you know. He's like, well, you know all these magic tricks, and you're going to use them to, you know, get free beers off of people at parties. Yep. So he tells him a dream. 
pretty much uh, what Dave had just done. Our, yeah. So we kind of kind of realized that okay, this Jamaican dude is mystical. Mystical. We're <laughs> on the same shit that Dave's on. Yeah. So. So he goes to his Dave's like bummed up. You know, he's like, yeah. He just told me all about my dream and my ex girlfriend blowing up when fucking. And, you know, when the thunder clapped outside and I woke up in real life, that's when the bomb exploded and just really mind-fucking him. Yeah. So he's like, I'm out. I'm out. Walks See off. you later. Goes to his car. And finds Amy's dog. Yeah. That's where... Amy's dog's kind of hopped in his car with him. He's like, all right, whatever. dog's name? Barkley. Barkley. Yeah. Barkley. Barkley. He's going to just take off with the dog. Um, the next thing you know, he's waking up. Yeah, he gets a call from John. Yeah. He's got to go to his place because John is tripping hard. John is tripping major balls. Yeah. Just running around, crawling on stuff in his box. <laughs> um, that's when Dave finds this needle with this black sauce. Yeah, ooze in it. So ooze. Yeah. He takes that. He takes the gun he has packed away for whatever reason. Yeah. It's like, it's, okay. Casually puts the needle in his pocket because, you know, it's a smart thing to he do. He puts a cap on it. He yeah. does, but... Where else are you going to keep it? I don't know. Yeah, throw it away? Well, you gotta. He's tripping hard. You gotta go to the hospital, let him know what he's on. You know. Yeah, I guess he could be dying. Yeah, we kind of learned that this. John kind of says this street name is this for this is called soy sauce. Yeah. It's just what it looked like. It's just black goo. Yeah. yeah. Looks more like tar, but yeah. But the weird thing starts to happen here is he gets a call from John. Well, John standing. Well, John standing right there by him. Um. And John kind of falls asleep in his car shortly after this. They're That's driving. where we find out the name of the guy, though. He's like the mystical Jamaican guy. Yeah. With, uh, Robert. Robert Marley. Robert Marley. Robert Marley. <laughs> oh, that name sounds familiar. Robert Marley. <laughs> so, yeah, John passes out in the car. And at this point, David wants to call a priest. He's got his necklace from the orphanage he was in. Yep, St. Christopher Metal. Yeah, he's like, call if you're ever in deep shit, pretty yeah. much. So he calls up the priest. Yep. And during his talk with the priest, accidentally injects himself with the sauce. Yeah. Which I don't know how. He had a cap on it. It was in his pocket. <laughs> but he had a cap on it. He had a cap on it, though, I thought. At least he, took, at least he didn't jam in his pocket without a cap. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of freaks out, has this weird conversation with the priest. The priest kind of turns all demonic. Yeah, the priest goes dark as hell at this point. Yeah. Saying, you know, you're fucked David, you know, yeah. waves of like, maggots. Yeah. <laughs> waves of maggots over the fucking flesh land will fucking cover the world or whatever the fuck. And then something grabs Dave from behind. Yeah, yeah. there's someone in the car. Someone in the car, grabbing from behind and like comes up something down his chest. Yeah. Shirt. Weird. Um this guy's name is Roger North, we find out. Yeah. The guy from behind him. At this point I just wrote down this movie's kind of fucking out there and confusing, weird. I, I was still Getting lost in it somewhere. I didn't know what was going on. I don't think really. you're going to be good with any of the time travel movies I got coming up. I don't know. Maybe not. It's just... It's, it, or alternate dimensions. I was having a hard time getting into the story. It was just like... That shit just kept jumping everywhere. It was it's like, a lot about the dialogue. Yeah. The dialogue is really quick-paced, and mm-hmm. you got to kind of pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, but in the process of talking to Roger, this like thing that was in his chest comes out, right? That well, it's like sitting on his chest, and he's... Fucking, as the crazy guy's talking in the back, he, like, pushes in the cigarette lighter. Yeah. And then once that pops out, he fucking burns off the thing and, like, 
throws it out the fucking window. I said it looks like a vicious butthole creature. Because it's yeah. mouth look like a butthole with a shitload of teeth. Yeah, butthole teeth. That's yeah. Like- <laughs> and he just throws it out the window and just stomps on it and smushes it. Um, uh, that uh, goes back into the car and realizes the uh, Robert North dude's gone. He's like, when the detective shows up. Yep. Detective shows up. Uh, detective Appleton. Apple- oh, did they say his name? I could never caught his name. Yeah, it's Appleton. Appleton. I always do that because uh, I lived in Menasha and Nina growing up, and it's right next to Appleton. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Um, um, he takes Dave in for some questioning down at the station. Yeah, he and takes and, them both in. Yeah, him and John. Um, he starts asking Dave about all these people who were at this party and who are now dead. Yeah, and that's um, when the sauce really starts kicking in on Dave. Yeah. Start seeing the questions before yeah. they get asked, you know. There's this creepy detective guy just standing behind him who just, like, doesn't move, just stares at him. Really fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, tells him, asks if he knows this Robert Marley guy, the Jamaican dude. Yeah. Um, Everybody from the one ball that was there that took the sauce is either dead or missing at this point. Yeah. Um, and then, then he, someone comes in and grabs Detective Appleton, brings him out, and... For a minute, comes right back in and tells him, John's dead. Yeah, your friend just died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's an ambulance on the way, whatever. And that's the end of the movie, right? Because John dies. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's what I would. I don't know why I didn't turn it off right there. Um, then we kind of go right back to David and Arnie in the present day. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about the sauce. Yep. Because Arnie really doesn't believe him. Doesn't believe him. He takes him to this truck where there's this cage in the back. Says, don't look directly at the cage. Just kind of look out the corner of your eye. When he looks out the corner of the eye, the cage that was empty has this really creepy, like spider With skull head thing. Yeah. The same thing that was in John's house early in the movie. Yeah, kind of just like hisses and shit. And Arnie's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, because normally you don't see it right away. You need to be like drunk or high or right. something, you know. Um, so Arnie's like, "Okay, I need to hear more of this story." Pretty yeah. much. Let me go back in. Let me go back to the story where. Learning about where... The interrogation room. Yeah, the interrogation room. Um, And the detective is like, you wait here five minutes, I'm going to go deal with your friend's dead body, and then, you know, don't move. we still got shit to talk about. Yep. So So while he's gone, Dave Dave gets a call from John. Yeah, the phone rings, and it's John. Police Police station. This creepy detective that's been hanging out in the back room starts to choke him. But, yeah, John tells him to leave, to get out of there, you know. Get out of the cop shop, just, you know... If he can grab his body and go, yep. which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, am I dead yet? Like what? <laughs> Dave's like, I can't leave. There's this detective here, and he's like, No, there's not. No, there's not. Look in the mirror, and he looks in the mirror, and there's nothing in the mirror. So, dude's just like imagination. And then he starts to choke him. He's like, Well, if he's a, you know, ghost or whatever the hell he is, he can't really hurt me. He's like, Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> he starts. His mustache flies off at one point because <laughs> Dave hits him and his mustache like peels off and flies around the room like a little bat. Attacks him. And attacks him. David's face. Yeah. So Dave rips his arm off. Yeah. And then the arm like wraps around and chokes him. Yeah. Which, good effects. Yeah. I have to say that this, this one thing was like I said before, it was really good. It had really good effects. Yeah. So he gets out. He's uh, walking down the street and talking on the phone with John. And John's like, you know, the only reason you can hear me right now is because you're on the sauce, you know. Yeah. You got the drugs in you, so. This is when you look at the phone, and the phone is destroyed. Yeah, it's broken as shit. And he tells him to go buy a brat. Yeah, go to the hot dog stand, and buys a brat. All right, put the brat up to your ear. 
He talks to him through the brat. He's walking down the street with the brat to his yeah. head. Talk. <laughs> and then after that, he kind of goes to... Well, he, John tells him to go to the Bob Marley's place. Yeah, which is this trailer in this trailer court somewhere. Yeah. So he walks in, and he's kind of sees all the gore from the night before, and he yeah. sees uh, the TV, which is showing him getting shot. I didn't notice that. Yeah. That he's watching the TV, and it shows him, and then doc, the detective like is standing there and pulls up. Oh, okay, yeah, a little foreshadowing. All right. yeah. Well, not really foreshadowing, just kind of like blatantly. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there it is. Yeah. This is going to happen. happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of weird shit in the apartment, too. Yeah, and that's when uh, the soy sauce pretty much busts out of the freezer. And the little coffee can. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of starts shaking all around by itself. So he opens it up, and the pills... And that's when the pills grow wings and... Yeah, they're like like jelly beans that turn into flies, so... (laughs) I don't think I'll... his throat right away. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I'll ever look at a jelly bean the same way again. Like, you're not going to turn into a fly, are you? (laughs) So one shoots down his throat right away, and then he kind of blocks his mouth, so the other one bites onto his face and chews its way into his brain from there, I guess. Yeah, really. Ugh, kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. So then we kind of flash to a bullet factory. Well, doesn't the detective show up at some point during this? Oh, yeah, he does, but this okay. is still in the initial sauce where okay. he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, fuck, what the hell is... And suddenly I wasn't there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he just has this... Awesome dialogue where he just goes on this rant about stuff and it just kind of ends. Because okay. he's freaking the fuck out. And yeah. It's just, I don't know, I love the way the dialogue runs in this movie. Like I said, it was hard for me to get into it. So maybe there's, there's, there's some stuff I missed. Maybe it is worth for me going back and watching this again. But yeah, it flashes back to him in like this weird dystopian waste field and then he's suddenly in a bullet factory where there's guys... You know, pressing bullets. Worthington munitions, right? Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And then he shoots back to... Back to the trailer. All real quick, I mean. Yeah, super, super quick cuts, yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite monologues in the movie, though, is when that happens. Okay. But, but he shoots back in the detectives there. With a giant can of gasoline. Yeah. You're probably wondering why I got yeah, this yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, uh, the detective gives a little monologue. And this is... I think he has a really awesome perspective on hell. Yeah. He's like, I'm a Catholic, I'm a God-fearing man, and, you know, I don't know what's down there for hell, but maybe hell isn't down there, it's here, we just can't see all of it, unless we're on whatever these guys are on. So, it's really, I, I really like that perspective of, hell, of his version of hell. Yeah, and then he talks about uh, the situation the night before with Justin White, yeah. where he walks into the trailer that they're standing in right now and he sees white just covered in these weird fucking bugs flying around a little white and he goes to his car and he grabs his shotgun like he's gonna blast him and he's like wait a minute maybe i should just grab my mace and grabs the mace <laughs> goes back in there and then justin comes walking out like nothing's fucking happening yeah which is weird like i was gonna ask you there's if you had to kill one character in this movie who would it be because i wanted to kill justin white so bad yeah he He's a f- <laughs> just a white guy who just thinks he's a rapper or some shit. He's a gangster, gangster. wannabe type. Oh, God, I hated him so much. He's talking with, like, outdated slang. Yep, okay. pants half off his ass. Oh, my God, just that... Oh. Annoying as shit. <laughs> I, I wanted him to die so bad, so...
So we cut back to the trailer again, and the detective's like, okay, cover the shit in gas. We're burning it down because I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want to know, and I just want to kill it all, get it done with it. Yeah. Destroy it all. He soaks everything in gas. Steps back, and that's when the detective shoots him. Yep. And he sees the same shot of him getting shot. (laughs) Okay. And that is when we flash back to the bullet factory, and we kind of see what's happening. Yeah. David shows up in the bullet factory, and he says something to the guy working. And that guy turns around, and at that point, like, a fly goes into the one bullet that gets stomped down. And then that bullet gets sent off to a factory or to a store where it ends up getting bought by the police station or whatever. (laughs) ends up being the same bullet that the detective put in his gun. (laughs) So So there's a fly in this bullet that's going to get shot at David. So So he got shot with a bullet, but it was, like, maybe a quarter of the gunpowder. Yeah, so it wasn't really... He pretty much got knocked down by the yep. bullet instead of killed. Basically like a, a dummy bullet, kind of. Yeah, like a blank, uh-huh. essentially. The dude kind of like, gets knocked out a little bit, and when he wakes up, the trailer's on fire. Yeah. That's when the wall comes crashing in, and the car comes crashing in next to him, and it's fucking Amy's dog <laughs> driving the car and saving him. Um, and then John, or Dave, leaves, obviously, with the dog. The trailer's yeah. burning. Gets a, another call from John. Oh, no, this is when uh, the dog starts talking. <laughs> or he starts hearing the oh, dog. Oh, yeah, he starts hearing John through the dog. Yeah. Because yeah. the dog had some of the soy sauce, too, when he bit the Jamaican dog. Right, that's right, that's right. Um, tells him that Fred, Chu, and Amy are still alive. Those are the only people left. Yep. Um, at this point, I'm starting I'm starting to actually make sense of the movie now. So, really well, he explains awesome. Justin White, too. Yeah. He explains that the stuff that's inside Justin White has, like, made him no longer Justin White. Right. Like, they had, uh, the last planet those things were on, they killed within, like, so many days or whatever. Mm-hmm. They took over the entire planet, essentially. Okay. So these things are bad news, whatever's inside yeah. Justin White. <laughs> I think we've established that already. Well, yeah. Um, so this is when David goes home, and who's sitting there but... Justin. Justin, yeah. Just chilling in the chair. Who doesn't want to be called Justin anymore? What does he want to be called? I missed it. He wants to be called Shitload. Shitload. There's a shitload of those things. <laughs> um, David shoots Justin, like, blasts him right in the fucking head. Yeah. Five shots in the chest, whatever. Just shoots until he can't shoot anymore. Empties a clip. Yep. Justin doesn't die. And I was like, God damn it. Kill this fucking kid already. <laughs> um, so David ends up getting abducted. Yep, David wakes up and with Fred and Amy and John in the back of a truck. Yeah, I John's said John, body. John's body. <laughs> he was just kind of like sitting there, frozen. Yeah, kind of. Like he just kind of mumbles every once in a while. That's about it. Um, Justin's driving this truck. Um, Amy's and dog. Was in the back. Was in the back too. And shitload says they're on their way to the Mall of the Dead, which right, is right. a rundown yeah. mall. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me a lot of Dawn of the Dead, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But while they're in the back of the truck, Barkley, Amy's dog, kind of licks or bites John's hand yeah. and has, like, some electro powers and jolts him back to life. Well, pretty much transfers his consciousness back into his body is what I got out of it. Or that, too, yeah. Because he's it's been kind of jumping around. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I never thought of that. I just thought, I just thought the dog had some magical powers or something. Just, well, he was on the sauce. Yeah, that's just true. I mean... So John's back. John's not dead. No, he's back. Yet. Wink, wink. 
Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, they go to this abandoned, rundown mall. Yeah. Like, really rundown. Um, Justin needs to open this ghost door. Yeah, well, they go to... What was the name of the... Eat Your Dog or whatever? Isn't that the story? Yeah, it was a hot dog stand. Before this, John tried to grab a package that was sitting outside. Yeah. Which, uh, earlier in the movie... When uh, David goes to pick up John from his house, when he's freaking out, he sees a slip that says, you know, to the mall, pretty much. Yeah. One mall drive or whatever. There's, like, a bunch of these packages around the mall. It's just one. I thought, I I noticed a couple just lying around on the floor. No, because, well, this is, this is the one that was relevant to the story. Yeah. Um... If John tries to read it, but Justin kind of takes it from him, right? Yeah, and then he's and, just kind of kicking it down the hallway because he's like, what is this, your big fucking, you know. And all that's in it is a note that says, John, go check the garbage can outside or whatever. And yeah. Justin gets tricked going outside to who's waiting for him out there, but the detective yeah. who kills him and burns him. Immediately shoots him and fucking and I was sets like, him on fire. Yes! Thank God. Thank God. That fucker deserved to die. Yeah. Um... The detective comes in and finds him. Yeah. Um, so he's like, uh, good, this is all over. Everybody, how about you get out to my fucking car? We'll get out of here. Yeah. So they go out to the car, and Start. they're driving off, and that's when the detective's talking about you know, how fucked up all this is, and the worst part about it being all the voices in the head, and he's like, wait a minute, what? Wait a minute. And then you're like, oh, the fuck, is this guy on the sauce too? Yeah. And that's when his eyes explode. Yeah, that's when his face pretty much <laughs> blows up. <laughs> Like his eyes just swell and blow up, and they bugs just start pouring out. <laughs> they car crash these white parasite bugs. They end up taking over Fred, Fred Chu. Yeah, they're f- swarming all over him. Yeah. <laughs> the way they, this is like so sad. They're like, Fred, why don't you go check the highway for a car or something? He's like, Cool, okay. It's a good idea. He turns his back and then just blow his fucking head off. Just immediately shoot him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then they drag his body over to the car so they can burn it with the car. Yep. Yep. Like, burn all the white parasites or whatever. It's at this point that they decide to uh, go through the ghost door. Yeah, so they got to go back to the mall, but they get armored up, and they find the baseball bat with nails in it wrapped in pages of the Bible. Yeah, use the Old Testament. He's the so awesomest harsh. weapon of all time, I think, besides the uh, propane paintball gun. Yeah. <laughs> paintball gun with, instead of a CO2 tank, it's propane. Which, you know, sweet. And accessories. Yes. Propane and propane. Everybody should have one of them. Um, they go to the ghost store, and then they realize, wait, it can't open it. But they want, shitload wanted Amy to open it. Yeah. So Why I was like, what? Amy? Because she's got no hand. She's got no hand. She's got a ghost she, hand. Puts your hand in there, she kind of like grows a hand, and it can open the door. She's got a ghost hand. Um. So David and John go inside. Amy kind of gets locked out. Yeah. It's just like cave type thing with this giant black portal in there yeah, and Roger true. North is there Yeah, as is Marconi yeah they immediately meet Marconi yep. who kind of explains what's going on vaguely they mention this thing Kurak and yeah. they, they explain the timelines and how the this universe that they're in or that they're going to is different than the one like I guess in our universe this guy died at, by trying to fuck a sheep or something oh yeah no they don't get Hold of that until they're actually in there. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah, they get the Marconi gives explain. them this bomb. They said, we need to destroy this. Here's this bomb. Go find Korak. Korak. This won't kill him, but this will fuck his shit up. It'll fuck his shit up. <laughs> Pretty hardcore. So 
they go through the portal. They run into this parade of topless people and weird masks. Yeah. Lots of nice boobies. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Tons of, uh, they're like, oh, we thought you'd be more comfortable if we were all naked. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's this big ceremony for Dave and John because they're just prophecy or whatever. Yeah, they were expected. They tell about this guy, Cyrus Rooney, um, and his sentient thinking machine, Kurak, who in the world Dave and John are from, he died after he tried breeding, breeding a horse and a bull or whatever. Yeah, Clydesdale and something and else. They kind of fucked him, and yeah. But in their world, he succeeded and ended up going on to invent tons of shit and yeah. advance their society in different ways and then made this thinking sentient machine. sentient machine. So when he died, the machine named itself Korak, Korak. and kind of like took over the world essentially. Yeah. So then they take Dave and John to go meet Korak. Um, oh, first they show the history and then the re-education. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. They switch. They're like, we switch it to something that's a little more pleasant to someone from your universe. I think they're called uh, cartoons. cartoons. <laughs> and it's just like this really graphic cartoon. Yeah, kind of. people who were against Korok were thrown in these pits and pretty much murdered by like <laughs> Straight <laughs> fucking, you know, genocide, pretty much. Which... Yeah, that was not a not a good way to watch that. No. So uh, they go to meet Kurak, who's like this giant gelatinous ball of goo with yeah, he's arms. He's a room. Yeah, room with an eye. And people are dropped into it so he can absorb their knowledge. And that's what they want to do with Dave and John. Yes. Feed him to Korak so he can absorb all their knowledge of how they transverse through the universes. But Dave and John are going to let that happen, so they kind of fight off the couple guards with their bat and propane paintball gun, and Amy's dog Barkley's there also. He ends up setting off the bomb. Grabs a bomb and pretty much jumps into Korok. Sacrifices himself. Uh, Bomb goes off, and Dave and John escape, and Marconi's there. Helps him. Yeah, as they're escaping. Helps him get back to the real world. He's like, thank God you guys were there. The dog really needed an escort. Yeah. <laughs> the dog is a hero, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, we, you guys weren't going to save the day. Come on, please. Yeah. Um, so let me go back to the Chinese place. Dave finishes telling Arnie the end of the story, obviously. Yeah. Um, Arnie's like, we got to get this news out. Yeah. You know, I'll risk my career to do it. I'll fucking do whatever we got to do, you know. He knows all about getting blocked out by the media and adversity, and he tells about a story of how... Uh, he was called the N-word. Yeah. Or he was a, I don't know, somewhere down south. Maybe it was Georgia even. Some, yeah, he was a young reporter. And he's, the cop was just, stay down, N-word. Yeah. And at that point, David's like, why would they why would call you that? <laughs> and that's when they go out to Arnie's car yeah. and open the trunk and... Inside is this decapitated old black guy yeah. wearing the same clothes that Arnie is. Because um, then David kind of explains how, you know, how when you hear someone over the phone, you kind of, if you've never seen them, you kind of right. picture what they look like. He's like, I picture you as, you know, an old, disheveled Jewish guy. Yep. <laughs> Whereas Arnie's actually, you know. Yeah. A headless black guy yeah. in the trunk oh. of a car. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe once they found out they were meeting, they killed him off right away. Yeah. And Arnie kind of comes to the realization... That he's really dead. Yeah. And just poof, disappears. Yeah. And kind of where it ends. We find out that Amy and 
Dave have been dating too. Yeah. Um, and then they show a scene of uh what? Dave Jeff. and John playing basketball. Yeah, playing basketball. All while the credits are going. Yeah, so this, this is, is like a credit scene. Yeah, kind of. Just kind of furthers the story, I guess, because it doesn't end here. There's another book called This Book is Full of Spiders. Seriously, dude, please don't open it. Just <laughs> <laughs> a great title. Um, but yeah, they're playing basketball and they're. They kind of find a wormhole while they're out there. Another portal, they go through it and. Do they get transported to another universe or do they just go way That's into the guessing. future or some Different yeah. universe is what I'm guessing. So John goes in first and then a couple seconds later David goes in. Where the fuck you been, dude? I've been waiting like two years for you. Well, I've been sitting here for like six hours. Yeah, like, yeah, it's only been like two minutes. And these guys come flying in on these hover things, the Human Liberation Agency or yeah. something, talk to them about some stuff, and they're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, dude, and they walk away. Yeah, because they're, you know, they have all these powers, essentially. Yeah, they don't need to end up with any of their shit, so. So they're going to just go get some stuff and then come back and help. Yep. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Here's the kicker. John doesn't die. Uh, you don't know. He seemed alive at the end of that movie to me. There's more than one book. That is true. Yeah. But and the story is very uh, jumpy, there, we'll say. Yeah. But I mean, we did watch John die. Well, we yeah, heard about John we Dyer. heard about him. Yeah. The detective and the detective just pulled So shit. there could be a whole ton of shit that leads up to that. Yeah. You know? So, Anyways. let you go first on this. All right. Um, as I was saying earlier, this is pretty confusing to me. It was at first. Talking about it more makes me understand the story a little bit more. Um, but there's lots of stuff happening. Um, like I said, uh, to be honest, I got bored with it. it. It was hard for me to stay into this movie. Um, the only thing that kept me into it was the awesome use of all the effects that they had. Uh like I said, you couldn't go a minute or two without seeing some sort of visual CGI effect or a practical effect, and there's a really good mix of those. So that's that's what made this movie worth watching for me. Um, not to mention the little bits we get of Paul Giamatti. I love seeing him as an actor. He does such a good job. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I know Gavin thought I would have liked this, but it's just a little too out there for me, I guess. Um, I, I do like some weird shit. I just... just Something about this movie just didn't hit me the right way. So um, I'm only going to give it a 5 out of 10. So. You rated Tetsuo higher than this. I did. <laughs> I did, didn't I? way more of a mindfuck. It is. So I don't know. I just... I, I didn't care for it. That's... Yeah. It's, I mean, it... It's possibly worth checking out. I'm not totally going to recommend it. But, I mean... It's 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 a movie. Yeah. I'll give it that. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm gonna settle on a five. All right. Well, I'm on a different end of the spectrum, obviously. I read the book. I love the movie. The movie got a lot of bash because uh, I mean the book is so much longer and there's a lot more content in the book, but pretty much a you know the soundtrack isn't really there. Uh, there's nothing real special. Yeah. You know. Thing. The effects are amazing and my. Probably my favorite of this whole series is just the dialogue. is awesome to me. It's quick, it's witty, it's fast, and I don't know. It keeps me entertained, for sure. It's not slow. And, yeah, um, I pretty much gave this an 8 out of 10. I do suggest this one, especially if you like anything sci-fi. It's very enjoyable. 
gives you a lot to think about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're a little different on this one, yeah, which isn't a bad thing. I like I like when we uh, have differing ideas on it. Yeah. Um, IMDb is actually closer to my rating, I think. Six point four. Um, Rotten Tomatoes also gave it a 60%, 54 audience score. So, like um, I said, a lot of diehard fans of the book were yeah. not pleased with the movie because it cut out a lot. Yeah, it's it's definitely mixed reviews. We'll we'll give it that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there are a couple fun facts about this. Um, when Dave dials the phone to speak to the priest at his church. Um, the melody of the number she dials actually plays Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. So, and also, at the end of the movie, when we meet when we meet the Human Liberation agents, <clears throat> the uniforms that they are wearing were not made for this movie. They were the Thermian uniforms from the 1999 movie Galaxy Quest. Which is awesome. Yeah. So if you've seen that movie, you might uh, recognize that. If you. Which I hope you've seen that movie. Yeah. Everyone. Uh, um. Maybe we'll do that for a future episode, possibly. Yeah, probably. So, but uh, anything else you got to add to this? Um, no, watch it and enjoy. <laughs> or watch it and not really enjoy it. <laughs> Don't need to be a dick about it. <laughs> well, that is going to do it for this episode. Um, if you're enjoying it, you got comments, questions, future ideas, anything. You know, or just make fun of us. Yeah, just want to make fun of us. Uh Feel free to hit us up out on social media. We're on Facebook, uh, Movies from A to B, or MFAB Podcast. We're also on the Twitterverse, at MFAB Podcast. Um, we also have an email account, mfabpodcast at gmail.com. And just recently, we have our own webpage. You can contact us through there. We are www.mfabpodcast.wordpress.com. Yeah, it's funny, because by the time this episode gets released, it'll have been out for a while. Oh, yeah, it probably will be, <laughs> but yeah. So, this will be the first official announcement of our webpage. Yeah. we got so, a backlog here. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyways, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we hope to see you next time. Signing off, I'm Aaron. And I'm Gavin. And take her easy. Peace. Next week, we head west with a special book in the Book of Eli. And we protect our turf with Attack the Block. So until then, that's a wrap. Cut.